1 John, that, that little letter in the back of your Bible, to the Gospel of John, which is a little bit further up in your Bible. And we're going to start in verse 5. So John 15, starting in verse 5. So I want to start this morning with a, with a statement that I think can be appreciated here. And some of y'all may look at me and say, well, duh, right? Like, we, we're aware of that. Here's, here's the statement. The fruit is as good as the root. The fruit is as good as the root. This is the argument that Jesus is going to make today in these four short verses. And I want to... I want us to, to think about the root of everything that we do. And, and I, I want to give three roots that, that I think are, are the most common and, and sort of press on each of these and, and ask you to take seriously, to, 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 to ask yourself, where am I rooted? The first root that many people place themselves in is the root of pleasure. I want to enjoy life and I want to I want to do everything in my ability to make myself happy. And of course you've heard from me the argument that the true happiness comes from Jesus. The true joy only comes from the gospel. And so when I'm talking about this root of pleasure, I, I'm not talking about going after Jesus and finding him in his word and, 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 and finding your joy in worship. I'm talking about the way the, the world defines pleasure. I was amazed this week when Mr. Hugh Hefner died to see. I mean, I read a couple of his obituaries. I read, I read one in the New York Times, I read one in, in the Boston Herald, and, um, and they were overly complimentary of him. And I can't help but look at the state of marriage and the grip that pornography has on so many young men and young women and the way that it is affecting how people love each other, that I, I, I don't understand how people could make Hugh Hefner a hero. But setting all of that aside, here's the reality. A man who sought pleasure to his last day still died. And he stood before the judgment of God. And I don't know what happened in the last days and hours of his life. And I don't want to take pleasure in the downfall and damnation of anyone. But friends, if all you do is seek the root of pleasure, if all you do is seek your worldly happiness, in the end, it's going to be taken away. That is not the best route 
to settle yourself in. Another root that many in the church settle themselves in is legalism. If I follow the law well enough, God will love me and he will accept me. Megan and I made a mistake this past week. We were flipping through Netflix. I should probably take the blame for this. We were flipping through Netflix and I've heard multiple people tell me that Friday Night Lights is one of the best shows ever and we had never watched it and I found out that, net, that it was going off of Netflix in October, and so we decided to watch the first couple episodes, and then we got hooked, and so we tried to watch as much as we can, and we only got through the first season in one week. That's incredibly embarrassing, and you can judge us all you want, um, but Friday Night Lights, it's, it's a story of, of, of a town in Texas, football team, the head coach, his family, and, um, and, and in that first season, Coach Taylor and his wife, Tammy, they, they've got a daughter. And she's a teenager, and she's got her first serious boyfriend, and they're having the conversation about sex. Like, how do, we, how do we approach this? How do we address this? And Coach Taylor's wife, Tammy, she says, the only thing I ever heard from my mom about sex is that if you have sex before marriage, you're going to hell. And, and I remember thinking in my mind, look, it, that's a half-truth, Okay? Because, friends, we have to be honest. Sex outside of the bounds of marriage is sin. It is breaking God's law. It's going against God's design. But having sex outside of marriage is not what sends you to hell. It's your broken rebellion against God. And there is good news for rebels like me and like you. And that good news is Jesus and I keep watching this show about a town in Texas, right? I mean, Texas calls themselves the buckle of the Bible belt. They're very proud of that. And there is this, there is this moralism that exists in America, and I think there's a moralism that exists in Hatch that says, if you do good, God will bless you and accept you. And if you do bad, God will reject you and send you to hell when the reality is each of us is destined for hell. And it is only by the saving, gracious hand of Jesus Christ that any of us are saved. And so legalism, this root that we tap into to think, if I just do enough, then God will see it and he will love me. Friends, it's empty. That is an empty root. The vine that you and I are called to abide in is Jesus. The gospel is what brings hope. The gospel is what brings life. We are called to teach against and preach against sin. That is, that is absolutely true. Right? The three things Jesus talked about more than anything else Were money, power, and hell. Right? I mean, Jesus addressed difficult topics. And he addressed marriage. And he addressed sex. And he, he, he called sinners out. And then he called them to himself. Friends, that's what we are called to do. And so, as we think about the fruit is as good as the root. I want to encourage you, don't 
Don't plant yourself in pleasure. Don't plant yourself in legalism. Plant yourself in Jesus. And the reason I'm calling you to that is this text, right? So let's jump into verse 5. Let's get started. If you remember from last week, um, Jesus calls his disciples to abide in him. Um, he talks about how he is the true vine and, and God the Father is the vine dresser. And so he continues this thought in verse 5 and he says, I am the vine. So he's repeating himself here. And we have to remind ourselves, anytime Jesus repeats himself, it's important. He wants us to get this. So this is not the first time within this paragraph that he says, I am the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we talked about last week what it means to abide because this is, this is the key word in this teaching from Jesus. And we talked about how you know, when Jesus is, is talking to the disciples, right, he is not, he's not talking to them as individuals. He's talking to them as a community. And so he's calling them as individuals and as a community to, to abide in him. And so part of what we're, we're going to draw from this is the, the call to the church to abide in Jesus, but it's also a call to you as an individual, as the part of a family, as, as the part of a, a local body of believers. Abide in Jesus. And what does it mean to abide? It means to plant yourself in. It means to live in. It, it means to, to hold yourself in one place steadfastly. Friends, we... I think this church is, is, um, is being overwhelmed with the reality of change. Things are going to change. We are not going to be here forever. The, the one thing that cannot change here in this church and in your life is your Staying steadfastly in Jesus. Because Jesus tells us, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Right? You want to see in your life fruit. You want to see what God desires for his children. What does Paul say in Galatians 5 are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I didn't have to sing the song to remember that. I'm a little proud of myself for that. Do you want those things in your life? Of course you do. Right? I mean, even the, the curmudgeoniest of the curmudgeons doesn't wake up and say, I want everybody to hate me this morning. We want to be loved and to love. We want to have peace. We want to have joy, right? And those are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And a fruit is what? It's as good as its root. If you abide in Jesus, you will see this fruit in your life. 
And not only will you see those fruits, but you will see people changed by the gospel as you're changed by the gospel. And this church, if we abide in Jesus, will see the fruit of changed lives because the gospel did its work, because the people of God relied on God to do miraculous things. Friends, I don't have and you don't have to read in the book of Exodus and see the parting of the Red Sea, to see the plagues that came upon Egypt and the miracles that that Moses worked among the people of God. You don't have to see those things to know that miracles happen. Because we have seen again and again broken, sinful lives put back together by Jesus. Friends, I would argue that is the greatest miracle you can see. And Jesus says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he ends verse 5 with, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus doesn't mean that you literally cannot do anything. Okay? Apart from Jesus, you can still stand up, walk out, get in your car, Start it, put it into gear, and drive out of here. You can still wake up in the morning tomorrow and go to work as normal. You can still have a good, productive day at work. What Jesus is saying is if you want to see spiritual fruit apart from him, you will get nothing. If it is not Jesus working in you, then you are simply a hamster Spinning on the wheel, but getting the same result. The first part of our big idea is this. With Jesus, you can do anything. With Jesus, you can do anything. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Speaking in terms of, of spiritual fruit and and the spiritual life of the church. With Jesus, you can do anything. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. We go to verse six and Jesus says this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, we get at the end of verse six what what Jesus is talking about here, right? He's saying if you die apart from him, you will face the judgment and you will go to hell. But I... That's not my main concern right here and right now. I want us to focus more on the first part of that sentence. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Friends, your soul has been knit together with this body of believers. If you've been here for any amount of time, if you have turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have grown together spiritually with your brothers and sisters in Christ. This faith family has helped you build a foundation in Jesus. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, if you're not trusting in me, if you're not staying in me, then you are going to be cut off, thrown out, and you will wither. Hell is real. Judgment is real. We all will get what we deserve apart from grace. Let's let's put that down first. 
But friends, I hate watching folks who had joy in Jesus wither away. I do not love seeing souls wither. The prayer of this church is always that disciples will be made and life will be given through the preaching of the Bible, through the discipleship that takes place here. We have seen great work from God through his people while I've been here. And I do not want to hear or see people fade away and wither away. Friends, with Jesus you can do anything. Apart from Jesus you can do nothing and your soul withers. Apart from Jesus you can do nothing and your soul withers. We want to see healthy branches in this community. We want to see healthy branches in this church. We don't want to see people and families broken by sin. We go to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now this is dangerous, right? Verse 7 can be dangerous because we can take verse 7 out of context and say, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So Jesus, I would like a new truck. Uh, I would like my kids to behave better. Uh, I would like for West Virginia to win the national championship this year, right? I mean, we can, we can go off the range with this. But look at where it begins. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And so the assumption from Jesus is that if you're going to ask for whatever you desire and God is going to grant it to you, you're going to ask for things that please him. You're going to ask God, help me get the gospel to my friend. God, help my child grow in her faith. God, heal our marriage. Bring us closer to each other by bringing us closer to you. Right? These are the things that honor the Lord. And even, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, you, you have the prosperity gospel, which is, is, you know, I think the ugliest form of legalism, right? That if you're a good person and you love the Lord, he will make you rich and healthy beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, unfortunately, America is transporting that around the world. And, uh, and there, are, there are prosperity gospel preachers in Africa that are making boatloads of money while people starve to death. And they just keep handing money over to these charlatans thinking, if I just give enough and trust enough, God will bless me. Same thing is happening in South America. This message is getting out to the poorest parts of the world and it is bringing more destruction. And the gospel doesn't bring destruction. The gospel brings healing, right? So... We hear that and we see that, and so we kind of bounce back to the other side, um, and we remind ourselves that, you know, what Jesus said, birds have their nests, foxes have their dens, but the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Uh, we remind ourselves of the fact that Paul, uh, you know, he, 
He was stoned multiple times. He was arrested multiple times. Three times he was shipwrecked. And I think the scariest part of the Bible is in 2 Corinthians when he's explaining this. And he says, and once I had to spend a whole night there, right? Like a whole night floating on driftwood in the ocean. And I'm just thinking, thank God Paul never saw Jaws, right? I mean, that would, that would be difficult, okay? But verse 7 doesn't say that you cannot pray for your finances or other people's finances. If you're struggling, it would be good to pray for those things. But friends, what verse 7 is not saying is that you can pray for ludicrous wealth and, and you can pray uh, for, for favor for your favorite football team and those types of things and God is going to answer what you ask. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying what we read in 1 John earlier in verse 14 and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he will hear us. If you abide in him and his words abide in you, you will ask for things according to his will. And whatever you wish will be done for you. Next part of our big idea is this. Your father loves to say yes to good things. Your father loves to say yes to good things. My wife is thrilled when our kids ask for extra Brussels sprouts or asparagus, right? But they know that if they want more candy, they've got to ask dad when he's in a good mood because that's probably their only shot, right? Um, And I say that not to disparage my wife. She is a good mother who loves her children well. But it's easier to say yes to the good things than it is to, can I have my 50th Tootsie Roll today, right? Our father loves to say yes to good things. And that brings us to verse 8, where he says, Jesus says, By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So as we're talking about abiding in Jesus, as we're talking about living in him, receiving our power for life and ministry from Jesus, Jesus tells us, this is how we glorify the Father. God gets glory. We make his name famous when we do two things. When we bear much fruit and prove to be Jesus' disciples. And I don't think those are point one and point two. I think it's 1A and 1B. When you bear much fruit, you prove to be Jesus' disciples. And when you bear much fruit and you prove to be his disciples, then God gets the glory. We get the joy of following Jesus. We get the joy of seeing lives changed, including our own. And God gets the glory. And of course, the scriptures would argue that God getting the glory will make us the happiest. What will make us happiest is not when we get the glory, when we play the hero, but when God gets the glory. When broken sinners repent and believe and rejoice in him, when that happens, our hearts soar with joy. We finish our big idea with this. 
Your father loves to say yes to good things and show you are his children. Your father loves to say yes to good things and show you are his children. Friends, as as we think about the near future for this church, I know there's lots of questions. I know that there are concerns. But I want to encourage you that your father loves to say yes to good things. And you praying and hoping and dreaming about the future of this church is a good thing. And he loves to show that you are his children. He is not going to abandon you. He is not going to forsake you. He has not forgotten about you. All right? And so let me, let me apply this very quickly. Um, the first application is this. You need to know that Jesus is your source. He is the root. He is the vine. He is your source of salvation through the gospel. He is your source of joy through the changed life that you have. And he is the source of your fruit. Apart from him, you can bear nothing. Church, apart from him, this church will do nothing. For our friends out here today who are on the fence, just know that bad roots produce bad fruit. Bad roots produce bad fruit. Wherever you are planting yourself, that's going to affect the fruit that you bear. And I would argue that even the most selfless unbeliever is bearing worse fruit than the most selfish believer. And the reason I would say that is even the most selfish believer, right, has been changed by Jesus. And so even though they are still mostly centered around themselves, as the Holy Spirit works in their heart and lives, they become less about themselves and more about other people, and God is glorified, and the name of Jesus is lifted up because, yeah, they're still selfish, but they're not as selfish as they used to be. Whereas the most selfless unbeliever, there's a root that they're coming from. And they're doing it not for God's glory, but for somebody else's. And maybe it's the glory of their organization. Maybe it's their own personal glory. Maybe it's, look, one of the fastest rising uh, groups in America are atheists who want to claim absolute morality. And many of them want to do as much good as they can in the name of atheism, right? Which is kind of silly. It's like me starting a college fund for a child I don't have, right? Um, The best fruit comes from those who want to glorify their father. Even if it's little itty bitty fruit. Because it shows that he has changed their lives. Christian, our call here is to abide. And and I want to put a big emphasis this morning with abiding over the long haul. Don't approach your Bible. Look, as the year ends, you're probably going to hear and see things that are, you know, on Facebook or or you know, hopefully you'll talk about it here at church of of hey, read through the Bible this year. 
right? Get, read, read three chapters a day so you can read the whole Bible in one year. And I would encourage you to do that. I think it's a good thing. But my encouragement is to know that you are called to abide for the rest of your life. And for some of you, the best way to help you abide in Jesus for the rest of your life is to read three chapters a day and get through the Bible. But for some of you, it may just be read one chapter a day. Understand what you're reading and learn and know that you're not reading the scriptures so that you can sit in Sunday school and be the smartest person in there. Okay? If, you, if that's the reason you're doing what you're doing, you're setting yourself up for failure. You want to be in the word over the long haul because the more you abide in it, the more it helps you abide in Jesus. And I would encourage you to think of, of prayer in the same way. Right? Don't try tomorrow to pray for three hours the first time you're trying to pray every day. It's okay if it's three minutes. It's okay if it's 30 seconds. What God wants is for you to abide in him. And if you start every day praying to him for 30 seconds, then it'll turn into three minutes. And it may very well one day turn into three hours of prayer every day. Praise the Lord if that happens. But abiding is something that's done over the long haul. And then finally, I mean, church attendance, right? Don't... Don't expect the worship and the sermon to change your life just one time. The better life change comes from sitting under the word preached week in and week out. And letting, because, I mean, let's be honest. I want to hit a home run with every one of my sermons. But I think most of the time I'm doing singles and doubles, okay? But singles and doubles, if I'm, I'm using a baseball metaphor and if I've lost you there, I apologize. But, but singles and doubles can produce wins. There just has to be a lot more of them, right? And so the more you sit under the word, the more you will desire to abide in Jesus. Church, I think we need to ask ourselves this question, are we helping each other abide? Are we fighting against distractions? Are we fighting against selfishness? And are we fighting against busyness? Are we, are we only doing the simple things, the, the important things to help our people abide in Jesus? Because we can, we can stretch our calendar so much and fill it up so much that people don't have a chance to really reflect and ask themselves if they're abiding in Jesus. And finally, in, in the public square, we need to give water to withering branches. For those branches that, have, that are, are broken off and withering away, we need to surround them with love. We need to give them grace. And we need to give them the gospel. Friends, we, we have to see Jesus as our vine. We have to, as individuals and as a corporate body of believers, remain in him. Because if we try to do things on our own strength, we'll fail. We'll fail personally and we'll fail 
as a church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. Father, I pray that that we would we would take to heart these truths and that we would we would know that that our hope is in Jesus and that that his work on the cross is is all that we need for our righteousness and for our forgiveness and that that his work in the resurrection is is our hope beyond death in the grave God thank you for who you are Work on our hearts and give us joy and a desire to abide in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, friends, it's time for us to respond. If you're not a Christian, I want to ask you to, to just listen for a few more minutes and, and just hold on. Uh, if you are a Christian, uh, as, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we want to invite you uh, to participate with us. Um, if, as long as you have turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the table is open to you and you're welcome to, to rejoice. So when Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and he told them, he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. When you eat this, eat it in remembrance of me. And so as we we come up this morning to to celebrate what Jesus did for us, as as we tear a piece of this bread off, we remind ourselves that all of our sins, past, present, and future, Jesus took upon himself, and he died in our place. He received the wrath that God had for us, And he took it upon himself. He became our substitute. And then Jesus took the wine and he told his disciples, he said, this is my blood, which is the blood of the new covenant. When you drink this, drink it in remembrance of me. And so as we take the bread and we dip it into the grape juice, we remind ourselves that we're not the covenant keepers. Right? Throughout the history of God and his people, it was always the people who broke the covenant. And so God fixed that by sending Jesus to be the new covenant himself, to be 100% God and 100% man, to fulfill our end of the covenant and God's end of the covenant. And so we don't have to do anything to earn God's love. We don't have to join a church or give money to a church or take the Lord's Supper. What saves us is faith alone and Christ alone. We just have to trust. And so this is, this is the call from the table. This is the call from the baptismal waters. Stop running away. Run to and trust. And so... What we want to do now, uh, if you're not a Christian, I'm, I'm going to be standing up here. I would love to talk with you and pray with you this morning. And I would love to, to welcome you into God's family and, and enjoy this meal with you. Uh, believers, we're, we're going to respond by taking the Lord's Supper. But first, we want to spend some time just confessing and repenting sin and, and preparing our hearts. So let's, let's pray and, and then we'll, we'll respond. Father,
thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Thank you for the work that Jesus did on our behalf. And God, thank you that you work in rebellious hearts to draw your people to yourself. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Okay, you can be seated. Apologize for the, the technical difficulties today, but hopefully we'll, we'll have whatever weird bug that is uh, fixed, at, fixed before next week. Um, so I can't show you the video that I wanted to show you, but, but uh, today is the, the day uh, for Mission New Mexico. We've been asking you to, uh, for each household to give at least $25. And so um, we're, we're going to ask you to, to please, you know, if you want to write a check, just put Mission New Mexico in the, in the memo line. Uh, there's also envelopes in the back if, if you need to use those. Um, so, a couple big announcements. Um, first one, on Wednesday, we're having our annual meeting, and um, we need as, as many of y'all as can be here, okay? So, what's going to happen is uh, we've, for the last couple of years, and I think this may have predated me as well, uh, there would be a meal with the annual meeting. Um, and so, that is going to happen this time, but instead of doing a potluck, uh, there, there's going to be pizza and salad provided, okay? So we don't need you to bring food, we just, we need you to be here, okay? So, so the budget will be talked about, um, but, but we also, uh, there's still lots of questions about what's, what's happening over the next few weeks and months, and so um, please be here to, to, have, uh, to ha- have the ability to ask questions and, and to, to, to make sure that, that you're, you're a part of you're part of the man. Got a little emotional because it's it's my last communion, and I just yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so just please be here uh, for Wednesday at six thirty. Uh, next Sunday is is our last Sunday, and so there there will be. A, are we calling that a potluck or what are we calling that? Okay. There you go. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was... Uh, I know Paula asked my kids what they wanted, and, and I, I, think, uh, I think one of them said steak. Um, <laughs> but, but I told Paula, you know, we're, we're, we're leaving the promised land, so, so some, some chili would be nice to have included. So. <gasps> oh, we're doing tri-tip. Okay, 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 okay. That's close, that's close. There you go, there you go, so... Uh, but but anyways, um, so the the, the other uh, we've got a fifth quarter on Friday uh, with the home game, and so we are.